0: everybody to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I am your host, Jeremy McGreer. This week we are talking with Judson Cohen, who you might know better as TEDx, as his uh, video game soundtrack, uh, musician persona, um, as well as the creator of the Dark Souls poster, uh, Laudate Solace, uh, which if you're listening to this podcast, I can almost guarantee that you've heard of and seen, possibly might even be looking at it right now, uh, like I am as I'm recording this. Uh, he's got a new project coming out. He's working with uh, Loki and and Fairweather on the Epistle Archive series of books where he developed a, another poster of the Dark Souls One World Geography. Uh, this one even crazier and cooler and more magical than uh, Lauderdsoulis. So I sat down with him to talk about his history with the Souls games, the creation of the original poster, how it almost didn't even happen, uh, and then the creation of this new project. Uh, so yeah, go check all of his stuff out. Uh, it's a It was a really fun conversation. Huge shout-out to Judson for coming on. Uh, I think I originally contacted that dude like in 2017 or something to try (laughs) to be on the podcast. So this is a really fun day for me to finally release this one. Um, So yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode.
1: This is more associated with my music that's like my my band name oh cool i, di- I did not realize
0: that awesome what kind of music do you play
1: uh, i make uh soundtracks for video games
0: <laughs> oh no i didn't know that i'm sorry i absolutely didn't know that. i've been following you on twitter yeah i'm sorry uh because you just did um man it was a game that i played Rogue too. legacy 2 yeah, Rogue legacy two. yeah absolutely um i just i just put
1: like 40 hours into the game or something so nice work yeah i love that stuff thanks yeah uh, it's funny because i like i don't have an xbox or a pc you know i'm on mac and playstation so i don't i have to go to our buddy's mine's house to play rogue legacy <laughs> <laughs> luckily he's got a new tv and a good sound system so he cranks it up so he can enjoy it
0: absolutely rock out to it that's awesome that's that's very good rogue legacy was is a lot of fun um and the yeah the soundtrack is really really good too um with yeah. roguelikes, I just I just hit a, a wall sometimes, and I'm like, oh, well, you know, this is even though I haven't yeah. finished the game, I feel like I've gotten everything I need to out of it and I moved on. So,
1: yeah, yeah, I'm that with most roguelikes. Although I feel like the genre has kind of turned a corner, like with Hades, well, with Rogue, the Le- first Rogue Legacy, where there was like you know some carryover from Death to Death, which made it feel like you were making progress. I literally just put down Returnal. Um, to join this podcast, <laughs> which is similar in that regard. I really like Returnal. Yeah, I've come round on that. I used to hate Rogue
0: Lights. I, um, I just recently got into both Slate Aspire and Monster Train. Um, and yeah, if you had asked me a year ago, I'd be like, oh, I hate deck builders. And now I'm obsessed with both <laughs> yeah. of them. Um, Returnal is, is fantastic. Yeah. I. When that game came out, I just I was I was just blown away with how great it was. It's a, it's a little bit hard, I think, maybe for my taste, but it's yeah. it's so satisfying when you complete it like a whole thing. Uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, the difficulty so was
1: a big turnoff to me at first, but I really came around on it. Like I I just understood the pace. I wanted to rush, like it makes you move so fast, you want to kind of rush through the game, but you have to be like patient in a way. And once I learned the patience, I really found a groove with it.
0: The, uh, the shortcut system I thought was really original and unique too, like finishing the first boss and realizing, oh, I don't really have to do anything in this area if I don't want to anymore. Like I can just go skip. and yeah. Or maybe I'll like go get health upgrades because I'm real good at this now. So I can I can get those health upgrades and then go into the second area. I know, yeah, it's Super fun.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's a detriment. To like making you think you don't have to play that, that area anymore is like the worst thing you can think because you need to be <laughs> doing those early areas in order to be prepared for the later ones. Where the patience comes in.
0: Exactly. That's it's. It's and you can't be patient while in combat, but like when you're thinking about how you approach stuff, you have to you have to be patient about the way that you get into it. Um, did you get yeah. to? I don't want to spoil anything, but how how deep are you into the game?
1: Oh, I finished it. I, I'm I'm doing the post game stuff now, so I'm doing, There's like this the uh, the tower DLC that I just finished. This, but you can't finish it. But I did all the story stuff in it, and I'm doing the like. Um, collecting all the bits after the credits and I have them all. I just have to go beat the boss again and then I'll be done with all of the story bits.
0: I haven't touched the tower stuff at all, but I did all of the like real ending stuff. And it was like a, the, the the little bit of narrative stuff that was in there was really super interesting and fine. I thought so, yeah. I, yeah, um... it Yeah, good.
1: It feels similar to like um, control or something like that, where the, the narrative is very obscure and really weird. And I, I love that kind of like Lynchian. Like quality.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and to bring that around to Souls games, I think that's what gets people really into Souls games, right? Like that where the narrative is extremely obscured.
1: Yeah, not handing people the story on a platter, like making you dig for it a little bit is more mm-hmm. rewarding.
0: Absolutely. And trying to put those those things together in your head and like make those connections. And um, like I know it's funny when Dark Souls came out or even Demon Souls came out, like it was such a it was such a smaller thing that it is now and like now i see people when Elden ring come out they're like i've got a
1: notebook and i'm going to make lore <laughs> <laughs> i saw a guy that was like um doing like a travel journal basically yeah like a yeah. Little sketchbook that he was literally drawing things like the, the first thing that comes to mind is how nathan drake does in the uncharted series how he collects look through the book and see the things he sketched he was doing that kind of thing with Elden ring and i thought that was awesome Exactly, because i thought not doing something anymore, but I never got around
0: right to it. <laughs> They're so detailed too, like the pages that he's doing are so detailed. I want to say I just saw him yeah. tweet out that he's gonna do like a published version of that too, And so it'll be like a little travelogue that you can you can read along with, uh, which I think is super interesting. Like that, the Souls games inspire so much of this like extra content, like this all this extra stuff that comes along with just playing a video game. Now it's it's crazy to see how far yeah. it's come. When did you first start playing them? Did you get in with Demon Souls or Dark Souls or?
1: Yeah, I, was, I, I saw some gameplay footage of Demon Souls about a week or two before it came out. Like, it came out of nowhere. It, like, because it was out in Japan briefly before it hit the US. And then, like, I was sorry, I'm from the US. I was living there at the time. Um, I just saw some footage on, like, you know, game trailers or whatever it was back in the day that was, like, the authority on, on game footage and was like, this looks interesting. And went and bought it day one at GameStop. <laughs> I love it. Like, I love it. Was, hey, were, were you in a. Like, did you join Demon? Like, were you in at the, the the ground level on Demon Souls?
0: Uh, Gamers with jobs got me to buy or not or to rent uh, Demon Souls from GameFly, um, which I don't. I, I think GameFly might even still be around, but uh, I I still have the Game. save file on my PS3 because I still have that console, and it was nice. three hours, and I sent it back the same day. <laughs> I bounced so hard off of Demon
1: Souls, yeah. it was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew like I had read articles about the difficulty that was like the big talking points and I, I played it like i got it home and played it the first night and I, I played about three hours and literally made no progress like didn't even unlock the first shortcut and i thought that was hilarious so yes yeah, so i was like I'll, I'll i'll back up a little bit so uh, yeah like i, I got demon souls home on day one and, and played for about three hours and literally made no progress Like, and I thought that was awesome. I was just like, it tickled me. Like I came into work the next day and talked to my buddies that were in the games. I was like, yeah, I did accomplish nothing. And then they (laughs) unlock a shortcut. So I was deeply entrenched day one. (laughs) It's um... like the community was non-existent then. It was so weird playing a game that was, because that was the most obtuse of all of them. Like it had all those like, you know, soul tendency and world tendency systems and stuff that just made no sense. And I probably played the game through twice and maybe a year or two elapsed before there was information about it you know i came back to it later was like oh like if i go back now and do this thing this bridge will appear or this door will be unlocked like (laughs) none of that information was there it was really cool to watch that evolve over time like suddenly there is a wiki that's been built and suddenly there are like um there's a reddit forum that people are talking about all this stuff it was really fun to watch it develop over time and marcus uh um, epic name bros started doing lore videos and stuff that was really cool
0: yeah yeah. those
1: were the days (laughs) those were the days i always always talk about
0: um i always compare like being into souls games super early to like i was i was listening to the radio hits first album like back in the day i was there first yeah Yeah, I I, I made yeah. no progress on Demon Souls, uh, and then and then shelved it until I heard um, a different podcast talk about Dark Souls One, and was like, I'm gonna give it a try, and then became completely addicted, yeah. and then went back to Demon Souls and was like, oh yeah, this this absolutely rules. It's um
1: did you yeah. play the, did you play the remaster? Uh, I did, yeah. I um, yeah, I really I I missed some of the art direction from the original. It looks gorgeous. It's one of the best-looking PlayStation 5 games. Like, it takes advantage of the system in really nice ways, but I, I still have a soft spot. I wish there was a way you could play the PS3 version, and I think there is now. I think with PlayStation Plus Extra or Premium or whatever the highest tier is that you can stream play the original which is great yeah i to. Like, i, wanted, I, I want to try of, that because i got rid of my ps3 when i got my ps5 because of demon souls I was, that was the only reason i was keeping my ps3 <laughs> so i could play <laughs> demon souls in
0: a yeah but it's my my ps3 was basically a demon souls machine for a long long time i still have it plugged up just and but I don't, I don't even know if the controllers are charged or anything like that so um yeah how, how much did you participate in yeah. the community back then? Did you, like, reach out? Were you on the message boards kind of looking for stuff, or were you just t- taking this as a completely similar yeah. experience?
1: Yeah, once I discovered there was a community, I got involved in it. Like, it, you know, I didn't, it would, it, you know, that was, what was that, 2013, 2012? When did that happen? No, no, but, way further back than that 2020 nine. Two thousand nine was when, when two thousand nine was when it what came in out. What a time! COVID has really ruined me for like t- perception of time, dude. Um, yeah, two thousand nine. <laughs> like their communities were a totally different thing back then, and I, I don't think I knew that they existed around games in that way until I got involved in the Souls community. That was the first like deeply in, involved community I was a part of, and I love how it's grown. Like I, I, I like, I think it's. i I kind of miss the not being able to answer all the questions instantaneously like you know every bit of the game has been stripped bare in within a week nowadays like it was kind of cool to watch it evolve over time Um, but i I still really like the community i don't feel like um it's bad that it is big that more people are involved in and i think the more people the merrier i think because that means more money to go into these games which means more games like Everything that makes more games is better, right? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Especially these games, because I like these games a whole lot. So if we can <laughs> keep making these more games, I don't care if anybody gets into them. I love it. I love seeing especially Elden Ring success, like how mainstream it has come. Yeah. My, my my TikTok got like completely taken over by just like obviously not soul streamers playing Elden Ring for the first time and just losing their minds that constantly threw it. And it was just a delight. Like you just you just love to see people reacting to you know, some of these things yeah. that I feel like we've, we're so used to the vocabulary since we've been playing since 2009 that coming into it now, it's so, yeah. it feels second nature. Like, oh, this is uh, the thing that I put on my sword to make it a fire sword. Like, we just know that stuff. And seeing someone experience that for the first time is so, so satisfying.
1: It's It's like having kids... And then experiencing Christmas through their eyes again, basically. It's the same kind of like, you know, Christmas as you get older, you know, loses luster. You don't really care so much anymore. And then suddenly you have, to, I don't have children, but, you know, like you've got kids and they get really excited about it. So you get really excited about it. And it's the same thing with watching someone that's never played a Souls game before. You're like, oh, you're doing the thing that I did 10 years ago. I'm so excited <laughs> to watch you get involved in this thing. And you like restore some of that initial like joy you had you know, discovering this, this uh, genre of games for the first time. Uh, did you do this did you do that I remember when
0: Bloodborne came out I had a, a friend yeah. that I was we had just had kind of a casual DM going back and forth as we were playing the game and he was like did you get kidnapped and I was like what are you talking about what do you mean kidnapped I don't even know what that could mean in the context of this game like what do you mean kidnapped because I and I didn't I totally missed that whole little like side path that I just missed the guy I think and it was so fun to hear to try to hear him did you do this did you do that like without spoiling me at the same time like it's those, those fun conversations of did you see the guy with like the hair <laughs>
1: <laughs> the guy with the hair uh, yeah that, that kidnapping thing and, uh, and bloodborne was really cool That was probably one of my favorite parts of the game just waking up with music like music is so seldom used in the souls titles up until elden ring and there was that like Gregorian chant chorus in the background kind of muffled when you wake up in the basement of that cellar and it comes into like into full volume as you like progress through it, man, that was some of the best ambiance in in a soul's title to date. How
0: do you, how do you feel about the, as a musician, how do you feel about the music in Elden Ring, like the overworld kind of, um, the loops that they have they have going because I, I swing back and forth like when i'm teleporting around doing chores and it or whatever and i don't know like it's just it's just weird to have it be there but also it would seem lacking if it wasn't so i don't i don't i'm still very torn on that
1: yeah i'm not sure how i feel about it honestly i think in some places it works really well like specifically the the dungeon queue that has all of the like weird sound effects in the background like it's just like a constant pitch like an eerie pitch the whole time i think that's excellent i think it adds so much to the like the environment um the overworld stuff i'm not as big on the one i really don't like is the one that plays in um stormvale castle the like cello tune Mm. I, i don't feel like it suits the environment and i feel like it's distracting uh the rest of them are kind of ambient enough and sedated enough in the like in the mix that they don't really pull me out of the game too much but like I always find the the little cello notes playing in um strong castle distracting
0: yeah I can I can definitely get I think I'm the same way where some of the like especially the underground stuff I think works way better than some of the above ground stuff um but it's it's just odd and it's and it's it's something that i know people that have like turned off all of the music entirely and i'm like well boss music still still rocks so we're not gonna go that far <laughs> like i gotta have my boss tunes but uh it's just been interesting talking to people about it um, and seeing how they respond to it because it's such a large change <laughs> so.
1: I, I think they did it in a smart way because well, the, the contrast was what was always important in Souls games, where you went from a very quiet situation to an extremely loud, bombastic situation when you entered a boss fight, which, you know, created a contrast that elevates your heart rate and gets you excited about, you know, fighting this this terrible thing. And they still have that contrast, you know, all of the overworld themes or the, like, the dungeon themes are really... Um, simple to a degree they're like generally holding a sustained chord over time there's not much melody involved and like it's it's all kind of background so that when you do enter a boss fight you still get the contrast you're expecting and it still it seems exciting when you like the elevation and activity happens so i think the way they approached it is really nice i think they were aware of what worked with not having music and just used music as ambiance instead of actually as music it's a isn't it
0: Crazy that they pulled off Elden Ring. Like I I still, it's months after release. Just, just think like, how did they do this? (laughs) Like, how did they make this huge, massive game and make it so good? Like, just consistently good all the way through. Like, it feels like a marvel in modern video game design because it's just, it's just good. Like every part of it is great. You can't really complain about anything.
1: Yeah, I honestly, I worry about the FromSoft team. I because i know what a grind game development is you know like I'm, i live in edinburgh in, in scotland and we've got uh rockstar north here mm-hmm. and they have a reputation for just you know grinding their employees to the bone um to make things like elden ring you know like red dead Re- revolt red dead redemption 2 is that kind of scale and i think it's uh <laughs> it takes a toll on the people that make it and elden ring has a a finesse and a polish that not many open world games really ever achieve. Like everything feels very hand touched, you know, like in a way that say Skyrim does not. Um, and I can't imagine the the resources and employees required to pull something like that off, and the number of hours involved. So I wonder how they're doing over there. Are they treating their employees well? Or are they taking care of them? I want them to live long enough to keep making games and not burn out. So I, I hope that they have a good uh, a good company culture alongside great games that they make i hope so too
0: um because you look at like the that you look at their output from demon souls i mean D- demon dark D- the dark dlc dark souls 2 three huge dlcs for dark souls 2 bloodborne dark souls 3 two huge dlcs for dark souls 3 uh it's Sekiro. Now we're at the Elden Ring. There was a little break. Finally, they had they had a couple of years there, but I mean, they that was all like back to back to back to back to back. And I think I'm skipping
1: games. There was like a Connect
0: game in there somewhere. Like they yeah. they, they released. Yeah, other you know stuff. they've got something going
1: right now too. they there's something cooking in the oven right now. That they're going to pop out probably some DLC for Elden Ring, and then probably something else going simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. Like I know when. Dark Souls 2 came out, everyone was a little underwhelmed. It turned out that was just the B team that was simultaneously developing Dark Souls 2 alongside Bloodborne. Like, and we were like, oh, okay, it makes sense why this wasn't as good because they were focused on this better game. No offense to those who really left Dark Souls 2, it's still a good game. It is.
0: It absolutely is. Uh, it's, it's become one of my favorites since then. Um, at the time, I really, I think I wanted more Dark Souls 1 because I was so, that was my entry into the series and I was so obsessed with it. Uh, with a little, yeah. time and space like going revisiting Dark Souls 2 over the years has been just a real pleasure like it's just it's full of those unique little things that are just unique to Dark Souls 2 they like they they had a bunch of really cool ideas and they just left them there it's just neat
1: yeah yeah one of the things I appreciate the most about Dark Souls 2 was the the perspective it gave me on Dark Souls 1 <laughs> that was like <laughs> when the second one came out was like what it did was highlight what I love so much about the first one because you, you just kind of saw what was missing there um with uh, like the way the interconnectivity of the world was was stitched together uh the just generally the art direction and like narrative and everything like it like it called it brought into stark relief what i'm most about dark souls one and that's when i started working on the like big vertical Vodate of map that i did for dark souls one was when the second one came out because that was like when i kind of realized what was so great about the first one so Outside of its merits as a game in itself, I really liked how it made me reflect on the first one.
0: Yeah. And I feel like it's from Software is one of those unique game developers that. Every time they release a the game, it makes everybody kind of look back and see how this fits into the the legacy of of the games that they make. Um, you, you saw that a lot with the Sekiro game because it everybody really wanted that to be a Souls game, and it absolutely was not. Like it had some of that DNA in there, but it was really a complete departure from the stuff that we had come to expect from them. Um, even though, if you look far enough back, like you can see the Tenchu roots and all that stuff that's that's present. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just it's really interesting. I
1: what did you
0: think of Sekiro? I loved. I loved it. Like I played through it three or four times. I, I thought it was great. Uh, I thought, you know, the I spent six hours on that final boss on stream one day, <laughs> like having a just having a good time, like losing over and over again. Um, the I, I, I joke about it because I I kind of stopped releasing this podcast about the time that the discourse around difficulty and things like that that. Sekiro like caused uh started really creeping up and I I was worried that as I was interviewing random people it would just become that conversation over and over again and also I was completely burned out doing it week to week so I was like I'm just gonna take a break um yeah. but, but I ended up really really enjoying it like I really it's a fun game it's not Elden Ring and it's not Dark Souls 1 um and but it in that particular like story that type of story doesn't really like it's not like my favorite thing in the world or anything right like i'm not super into it uh, like i am like dragons and abandoned castles sad dragons and abandoned castles is much more my vibe but uh yeah, yeah. It was great what about you did you did you click with
1: it yeah. uh i i liked it yeah like the world was incredible like i i think it's one of their more well-built worlds um the art direction was amazing like the, the gameplay is incredible the difficulty uh it it was more difficult to me i have really bad reflexes like i've never been good at parrying in souls games honestly i'm not good at games in general i just like Mm -hmm. um so i i don't I, i only played it once and i didn't finish it i made it to the final boss and what's most important to me in games is exploration so like i just you know spent 12 hours trying to beat the previous three chains of bosses that like precede the final boss and like I didn't need to beat him i was like i could beat this guy i could spend six hours learning his moves and like going into this over and over and getting all the parries right and timing everything but i don't feel like i need to because i know there's nothing beyond it so i just went and watched the ending on youtube <laughs> i don't do so, not, i do not blame you for that not a <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't blame you on that one whatsoever i feel like in the last couple of years especially I've, i've i've I just, I'd like, I like my desire to say that I have finished something just kind of supersedes like the time. I, I, I don't. Maybe it's just getting older and you start like valuing your time more or something. But like I'm like I, just like you yeah. said, I could spend six hours on this, or I could spend six hours doing literally anything else with my life. Um, and it, it, yeah. making those decisions. Like yeah. I hate when people say like, oh, if you haven't beat it with this or that, or you know, you're, you're not a true Souls fan, or you're not you're not playing the game right. I hate all of that bullshit. Like it's so annoying to me. Um, and I, I want people to experience the games. Like if you just want to watch the cutscenes on YouTube man, have a good time. Like if you've only ever seen all the dark souls games played because your buddy played them on stream with you, that's fucking valid. Pardon my language. Sorry.
1: I had a good conversation with one of my coworkers. We've got like a, you know, a Slack channel for, for gaming. We were talking, Elden ring has been the only discourse in it for the past three months, basically. Um, and it was talking about how, like the objective of souls games is to make you feel clever right like you want to feel like you've either um gotten so good at the game that you're like a great player or you want to feel like you've outsmarted the game in some capacity so there's always been this element of cheesing like you can you know stand outside the fog game shoot arrows at the the man-eaters or like or you can you know throw fire bombs over the the wall of capra demons thing there's like always ways to kind of cheat at it and they feel like they they do the same thing either you have Feel like you've kicked the boss's ass because you really tried hard or you feel like you've kicked the game's ass because you outsmarted it mm-hmm. you found a way to get around its difficulty like and i think both of those are valid approaches to it and it does feel like it's designed that way you know like to to make you feel like you're clever regardless of which tactic you you choose to approach a thing and that's i think that's one of the reasons that Sekiro didn't uh click for me quite as well is because you cannot cheese that game you have to be excellent at it yeah. there's no other recourse like you have to nail it all the time that's just exhausting to me and that's, and that's,
0: I think, you know, that's, the, that's where it, it diverges from, you know, all of the Souls games that we know and love. Like, just the lack of, like, build variety and the ways to play the game and, like, stuff to do in the game and different things to find and the exploration and all that stuff, like it It is what it is, and I'm not complaining about it like it's not that doesn't make it bad, it just doesn't make it the thing that I really really, really like um It's kind of where I landed on it um and it's I played it a bunch as soon as it was released, and it's one of those that I just kind of never really want to go back to like I don't I saw that snake, and it was great that was a great snake, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did what I wanted to you mentioned. Dark Souls 2, thrown into stark relief, uh, the things you like about Dark Souls 1 and that eventually leading for you to, to create the Luddite Souls poster that I'm, uh, literally looking at right now in my office as we're recording this podcast. I'm looking at all three, <laughs> actually. Um, and it was so funny. I, I mentioned earlier that i got into Slay the Spire, um. And uh, one of these things with roguelites, because I'm not very good at them. So I go on YouTube and try to find, like, cool people that are playing in the games and kind of showing you the ropes. And there was a guy, one of the first dudes that I found or was recommended, um, I opened the video, and, like, there's the poster behind him as he's streaming. And I'm like, well, <laughs> this is my kind of people. So I found a good one, I guess. Um, but, yeah, like, I want I to talk about – I want you to talk about kind of the creation of that. and Because I feel like it's become, like – within the souls community, like I feel like everybody has one or everybody at least recognizes it and has seen it. So it, I kind of want to talk about like no, no. what it
1: is like. Not not everybody has it. one Cause they're still selling. So somebody's out there. Great. Buyer, which is good. That's great news. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, like it's funny. It's, I don't know. I feel like I've become this like official dark souls cartographer. In fact, I put that in my, in my Twitter, Twitter bio. bio I yeah. think, <laughs> I just, all I do is draw maps of dark souls for a living. Um, yeah, it would it, It does have kind of a a cold status. Like, it almost defeated me. Like, I've talked about this previously in in a Reddit post. Like, I I originally surfaced it on Reddit in the, like, Dark Souls sub. Um, when I had given up hope on it. Like, I put a lot of work into it. And when I was drawing the map, I was literally doing, like, in-game surveying. So I was playing Dark Souls on PlayStation 3 and drawing what I saw. You know that's that's how I was getting information. The, the NoClip website that I used for the the recent map didn't exist at the time. But the map wasn't created, so it was all kind of the only way I could really get things was to try and find angles to to see it in the game, um, which was cool, but it was a slow process. Uh, and it the, the meticulousness of that, like the degree of detail I set for myself, and the like rigid standards i held myself to in terms of accuracy like number of slats that are on the ladder and painted world and stuff like that you know i had like a high degree of of standard that i was holding myself to the entire thing and that kind of got me to a point where i burnt out midway through i think it was working on uh uh where was i i think it was blight town of course like yeah everybody <laughs> burns out in blight <laughs> the same is true with art. um yeah that, and then i dropped it for like three months or something i stepped away from it maybe more than that. it was like six months just stopped working on it so i had this half completed map and i kind of thought you know this is never going to see the lightest day i might as well stick it on reddit so people can enjoy the bits of it i have made already um so i just like i was displaced in the u.s for a bit uh um, my visa there was issues with my visa living in the uk so i was Living in a hotel in Miami for a month, um, kind of having a rough time mentally, like just like, "Ah, screw it, put this thing up, I'm never going to finish it. And like went to bed and woke up the next morning and it had been upvoted like a thousand times or something. And everyone was like, oh my God, you have to finish this. So (laughs) it was exactly the kick in the pants I needed, you know, (laughs) like realizing that it, it was something that people found value in was extremely inspiring to me. And like I jumped back on it immediately and like got head down on it and, and really cranked on it for like, I think it took another month or two for me to, to finalize it. Um, and during that time figure out how I was going to produce this thing and who was going to carry it for me. And like, I, I got in touch with fan gamer because I love fan gamer. They were such a cool company at the time. They were still kind of a startup. They've, they've kind of grown into this giant now that has all this official licensing and stuff. But, um, like Reed Jung, one of the guys that runs the place, like I chatted with him for email and he was like, this is incredible. We want to be involved. And um I you know, I've formed a great relationship with them since then. In fact they're gonna be carrying Rogue Legacy vinyl soon for, for the for the first one and the second one in the next couple of months. Awesome. I mean, still sell the posters like eventually it wound up that they got uh, so they were selling the poster for a bit and they had those massive ones I don't know do you like what the, side do you have the slab do you have I, don't, the I, don't, I don't
0: have the slab but I, I remember like I yeah. had a con- conversation with my wife about the slab so I definitely remember the slab because <laughs> I was like the we repl- That's a collector's
1: item. <laughs> I know yeah. I, yeah. I know so, some people those that do see, yeah, see yeah. Those. <clears throat> yeah so like when they were first making them they were custom printing all of them like a, like a giclee printer they had like a big like epson March format thing that they were running them off on so they're was really high and uh they i'm not sure exactly how many of those you know, slash sold it's probably under a thousand copies of those are out there but it like even though it costs 120 dollars or whatever it was they weren't making a profit on it it was just so expensive, the ink and the paper to, like, produce something at that scale. So eventually they stopped producing those. So if you've got a slab, if you're listening you've got a slab, that's probably worth something. I don't know what they would go for on eBay. Um, (laughs) But that was really cool. (laughs) Eventually, like, yeah, they, they, as I said, scaled up as a business and formed a relationship with Bandai Namco. Um, And that was tricky, because they're selling something that was Dark Souls merchandise that wasn't officially, like, called Dark Souls merchandise. So... We had this whole conversation where we had to kind of pull the, the poster down for a bit and, like, have a cooling off period and then approach Bandai Namco to say, would you be willing to officially license this thing so we can continue selling it? Like, you know, here's how well it did on Reddit. Like, there's, a, like, a, a market for this. And so they, they pitched it to them and eventually wound up getting officially licensed by Bandai Namco, which is, is cool. You know, like, it means I have less control of the artwork, but ultimately... I just want it to be in more people's hands. I want to be able to enjoy it. Like I don't really, it is, it is not how I make my living. You know, that's just like a a small amount of additional income per month. I just want to make cool things. Like (laughs) that's my real objective is to make cool things that people like. And if there's money behind it, that's cool too.
0: It makes me really happy that Namco was like willing to work with you guys and like come to an arrangement, and not just like, nope, if it doesn't come from us, it doesn't exist, and it's not allowed on the internet. Uh, so many companies, like license holders, do that stuff nowadays, and it's just a huge bummer. Like, yeah. I, I wish people, I wish companies embraced like yeah. that community spirit a little bit more. Trying
1: to get the trying to get the companion pieces licensed as well. They've they've been submitted to Like the the smaller ones that you have hanging next year is Pictus Mundi and uh, Immortuae Carsoe. I can't remember the names. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm the Latin. So, yeah, like hopefully those eventually will be licensed and available for sale again. Oh those, those aren't they available kind of anymore. Same problem okay. here. Interesting. Yeah, no, they had to because they can the same problem where they are Dark Souls merchandise, but they're not licensed, so we can't like fan gamers and it's weird for them to sell them, you know, it wouldn't be legally sure. so, um, cool. So well, they, they look great. And I think
0: that the the level of detail that you approached it with, like counting steps and everything, like one of my favorite details in the whole piece is the um, the stairs leading down to the abyss just at the very, very bottom. Like it's just, just that little trail at the bottom just feels like because your eye starts, at least mine, starts at the top and then like just trails down. And I've, I, haven't, I haven't actually counted, but like it feels so accurate because I've run down those stairs so many times in my life. And I'm like, that's about the amount of turns that there are. Like I haven't, I haven't compared, but i'm imagining you spending time like counting steps and turns and trying to make that exactly right and it comes through in the piece perfectly
1: the number of stairs on that are correct but the number of turns definitely are like the platforms going down the ones that i was like more meticulous about were like the um the bridge that goes to um to the painted world when you first enter the painted world like the the big bridge you're on it's just like a hanging thing at the bottom of the artwork but the like the gaps and the arrangement of the boards on that are correct (laughs) to to the in-game art which is no one's going to notice that
0: god you must have been just dying for a like a just some form of um like cinematography like a photo mode for dark souls (laughs) when you were doing this i can't imagine the time that you spent trying to just painstakingly arrange stuff
1: luckily Luckily, I really enjoy Dark Souls. <laughs> so I like, I'm getting to play a game and do art simultaneously. It was a double whammy.
0: And uh, and and man, I read your entire thread about the creation of the new piece for uh, the new book, Epistle Archive uh, that Tune and Fairweather are doing. Yeah. And just the creation process, like the amount of detail and work that you obviously put in, it's just incredible. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not an artist by any stretch of the imagination, and I'm not, I, I don't really have a lot of experience with that. So it's, it just looks like magic to me when I see people putting it together. And I know it, like, it's not magic; it's actual like hard work and very smart application of principles. Yeah. But it's just, it just feels like magic when I see a Twitter thread about it. So I was so impressed, like that, yeah, all, all of that. Maybe a tiny stuff. bit of magic. Maybe well, a tiny bit of magic. <laughs>
1: I put a few points in magic, so I can, you
0: know, <laughs> ask Solero,
1: that's it. Um, yeah, like, that was that was a cool project. Like, I, it, it's, again, like, it's my reputation as Dark Souls cartographer that landed me that gig. Like, and I'd, I'd already chatted with Jason prior to that. Jason Killingsworth, the guy that I'm student Fairweather. And the guy that's responsible for the guide book, which I think a lot of people are familiar with. He and, uh, uh McDonald put that together. Um he yeah, he reached out to me because we'd already been in touch and he's a big fan of my po he has his post like my post on the back of the wall as well. I saw it in one of his videos when he was introducing the um Soul Arts book, the previous one they did the gorgeous one that Vati Vidya is involved with. Mm-hmm. Um and I was, you know, like complimenting complimented his poster, like, yeah, it's the inspiration. So he got in touch and was like, Yeah, we want to do a post a map of Lord Vren for this book that we're putting together. And um, I'm not like I put it in the thread on Twitter, but I, I wasn't sure exactly what he was looking for out of that. It definitely was not what I gave him. Like, I don't think his expectation was anything near that grand. Like what he was originally wanting to do with it was just put it in the end papers of the book like you would in like um, the Lord of the Rings bubble. So you like open it up and you in the like end papers you've got a little map of, of Middle Earth that kind of brings to life uh, visually for you what the experiences the hobbits are having as they tricked Mordor. Um, and that's kind of the same thing he was looking for there. And I'm not, like, I, we talked about the level of fidelity, and we, like, I looked at a bunch of fantasy maps and a bunch of actual maps from, like, Renaissance periods up through, like, Victorian period and how people dealt with things. And, the, the, like, ultimately, the, the biggest inspiration I found was Elden Ring. Like, I absolutely loved the, the map in that game. I thought oh it did God. such a good job of... A, matching it to the world exactly. Like, it's it's amazing how accurate it is to where you are located. And, like, the amount of detail there is just enough to help you understand where you are without it giving anything away. Um, and I, I kind of looked at that and said, I could probably accomplish something in that range. I, I would not compare mine to the Elden Ring map. I don't think it's on a level with that. But, like, in terms of fidelity, I can probably accomplish that over a course of time. And we talked about that. And, um, What I didn't want to do was dive headfirst into that if I didn't, if it was going to become unfeasible at some point in the process. So I put together a little like um, a proof of concept, basically. So I drew Firelink Shrine to say, this is the level of fidelity I think I can accomplish and how I would deal with it in terms of using inks to to draw on paper and then scanning and coloring digitally and procreate and and put that together. And we looked at it together and kind of like different ways of coloring it, whether it was going to be black and white or whether it was going to be full color and agreed that it was the right approach. Like, And he was really happy with that and kind of move forward from there. So w- with that in mind, I started moving forward and like immediately realized that the work I'd already put in had to be scrapped because I had not considered scale. There was a couple of things I hadn't considered. Like I was just um drawing the same way I had done the first one. So I would like look at the game and I had I had like the strategy guide, the like um the original like the official strategy guide sitting next to me because it has maps in it. So I was looking at those. I was looking at the game. I was um trying to piece things together from those two and draw a map that made sense. So I was doing like proper cartography, like guessing at what things would actually look like based on what I was able to observe myself. And that was well and good. And I probably could have accomplished the whole map in that way. But the problem was that then the accuracy we get could potentially get really batterious. Like if I drew one area in a way that's pushed another one, off too far like it could all get really poorly skewed it'd be hard to plan as well so it was pretty clear that wasn't going to work and also that if i kept drawing the scale i had it was going to be about 10 feet wide so that was kind of unmanageable so i started over and like figured out how i could plot it a bit better and like use tracing to like you know do, do a really rough digital rendering of it that i could use to trace onto so i could get an accurate map that fit together in the ways i wanted it to so planning playing helps it turns out <laughs> <laughs> it turns
0: out well the work is I mean it's it shows through like I've, I've been enjoying your threads um, on Twitter about trying to find little details in the maps and like all I want is just a hugely high quality version of that so I can zoom in and um, I, you know really really like just absorb that it looks gorgeous like it's just a fantastic piece of art by itself even if I really think someone could look at that and like not know Dark Souls and just be like wow that looks really really good like and but the fact that it's you know by and for Dark Souls fans, I think really brings it home. Like it's just you can just tell like someone who adores this game made made this thing, and it's you, it comes through a hundred percent.
1: Yeah, thanks, Ben. That's all very kind of you.
0: <clears throat>
1: I love it. I, I really do. I'm
0: so excited for it. I'm, I
1: can't <laughs> wait to get it in my hands. I'm really really yeah, so pumped it, about it. Jason and I chatted about this. He's the same way. Like, you know, he makes these exquisite pieces of Dark Souls paraphernalia that are just labors of love, you know. Like, the amount of detail that both of us put in the work we do is just extraneous. Like, there's no need for things to be quite that detailed or quite that specific. It's just passion projects, basically. Like, I don't, like, I probably am not making a good good uh, hourly rate working on the map at that scale for that degree of time but i don't care because i'm really enjoying it you know it's just yeah. a, a fun thing to do because you want to
0: make cool stuff for cool people
1: right like that's the that's the exactly. goal
0: um yeah and i cool
1: stuff for cool people.
0: <laughs> I, 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 and yeah all of jason's books that he's been putting out on Tuna fair weather have just been like um growing up as a kid they're incredible. oh they're incredible and like you you know i'd I was so absorbed into reading and collecting books and wanting to have books and, and being kind of a, you know, poor broke kid, like those excursions to books a million were few and far between, but I adored them all. And then going through, you know, and finding like trying to find first editions of Stephen King novels. Cause that's what I was really into as a teenager and like, you know, goodwills or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then like trickling into that, like, Oh, this is a really good quality. Like the pages feel good. And like this physical thing that I'm holding. And then when he, when he released the second edition of you died um i was i was so excited uh and it's just and it's just like the best quality book <laughs> like it's just so good I, I, yeah it's yeah,
1: I mean, just... exactly that like you died was people who loved dark souls doing a really deep dive into dark souls and then soul arts is people who love dark souls and well souls games in general doing really detailed fan art that comes together in a nice way and then like, I, Loki, who did the Abyssal Archive, I, I had not been familiar with him prior to starting work on that project, and he's done the same thing. He's written two books on the lore of Dark Souls. Yeah. That's bonkers to me. I'm really, like, I've seen the little preview text, but I haven't seen the full thing. But, like, I'm, I'm very curious to see what's in there. I've seen some of the artwork, and it, it shows kind of things that aren't in the game, and I, I am excited to see how those stories come to life and what he's been able to uncover. He's kind of like a... I don't know. I, I, I think it's his, his fluency in Japanese allows him to like dig into the the translations and such, and look at like the the data mining the original Dark Souls to like find a lot of information and make a lot of speculation based on things that the devs had removed from the game and things like that. So I, I love it. I'm really, I'm really excited to read that.
0: It's it's going to be interesting. We it, we we talked um, like a week ago um, all about the book and everything, and just like because I was really curious how like you have to know or at least present the the thing before you can talk about like how you think the thing isn't right. Like how you think that the, the commonly held like lore theories isn't right because of this and this and this. And he was like, Oh yeah, absolutely. It was a huge problem. <laughs> like, it took me a long time to figure out how to put all that stuff together, but it's exciting. It's, it's fun as a, as a souls fan, and especially as a person yeah. who like really got into it with Dark Souls One, seeing this much love specifically for that game, I think is is really really great. Um, as much as I love like all of all of the children, uh, that that one to me will always be the one that <laughs> l- literally. Which is your
1: favorite child? Which is my
0: favorite child? Oh, it's, it's <laughs> I don't know, but it's definitely not Jope. Um, but. <laughs> Um, I don't care for <laughs> exactly yeah uh, I feel like Dark Souls 2 is the job of uh, <laughs> rest of development I guess Souls games um, but no it's just exciting because I mean like that was the game that changed my life uh, like I, you know getting into making friends that I've had since then and like doing podcasts and all this other stuff it literally changed my life and I feel like as I've done this podcast and talked to a bunch of people, a lot of people have that same feeling. Like it created so many different relationships and different things and different like c- gathering points for people. I think uh, that it just, it's weird. Like, I don't think you get this from call of duty, right? Like nobody's, nobody's altering the course of their life because of a new call of duty game. And I know that's an unfair comparison, but, it, but in bad ways, I think <laughs> maybe. So. I good ways. <laughs> um but that's a question like I, I always ask towards the end of these things which is like uh like if you look back how you can see these games that have affected your life in a, in a direct way and like how do you think that these things have changed you since then since you started playing them
1: um most ways i you know i had not thought about that but you're right it's going to change my life like i don't like to imagine that a video game would have that big of an impact on me but it's like something i'm deeply entrenched in i'm like you know I'm two maps that took over 200 hours a piece like that's that's a significant involvement with a single game yeah um yeah well so there's a timeline outside of joining the souls community well well um getting involved with souls games for the first time i think that happens for people and the first thing is oh this is too hard i don't like this and then it's like okay this is clicking for me and it's like oh my god all other games are ruined for me forever. Like there's a point where it clicks for you, and then just nothing else will do. Like, and that was I think that was the first couple of years after Dark Souls came out for me. Everything else was kind of going through the motions, video games wise, until oh, yeah. Dark Souls two came out. You know, well, until Dark Souls came out actually. Demon Souls came out, and I was like, oh my god, more of this. So it was just a bunch of lackluster experiences until Dark Souls came out, and then a bunch of lackluster experiences until Bloodborne came out because Dark Souls two was kind of underwhelming. And I think it, there's a point at which finally you've had enough and you can kind of reach a complacency and a, like a, a, happy place with the, the, souls games like where you love them and will always play them, but don't, don't uh, undermine the, the quality of other games for you anymore. I've kind of gotten to that state now where I can, I can once again, enjoy other games. I still really enjoy souls games, but they don't ruin everything else for me in the same way. It's hard to, transition from a Souls game into something else initially, like that first step off can be really challenging. Um, but generally, I can still play and enjoy all sorts of games now. You know what I'm talking about? Did you ever get that, like, oh. where you just like other games were ruined
0: forever i'm, I'm still hung over from Elden ring man like i i had to go to yeah. a, a, a brand new genre that i've never played and traditionally never liked just to be able to shake the Elden ring addiction off <laughs> just for a little while like it's um yeah. and dark souls was like that too like i remember you know assassin's creed games coming out after getting addicted to dark souls and just like picking it up and going like it nope doesn't do it for me anymore like i need i need something else like i just got to go back to dark souls and part of that was like i got real big into the multiplayer and uh doing pvp and co-op and stuff like that and that's a really unique experience that most video games don't have like it's weird that you start you're starting to see it come out finally now but like at the time your multiplayer was like oh i gotta go shoot the other dude and dark souls pvp can be shoot the other guy a lot but like it was so different and it felt so weird like the invasion mechanic um that, yeah, I was yeah. I was completely hungover from Dark Souls for a long time.
1: Like it was bad. It was oh, just a Dark Souls hangover. Exactly. Yeah. I I remember the anticipation for Dark Souls coming off the back of Demon's Souls. I was so excited about Dark Souls coming out and I was like viewing it as oh, this is gonna be my my favorite game of all time. Like Demon's Souls was so good and this is just gonna be better, right? Like it can only be better. It's only up from here. Yeah, it turned out it was. I, I still kind of hold the two. Those are my two favorites still, even with Elden Ring. Like it, it's Dark Souls and Demon Souls for me are the, the two that I hold in equal regard as the best games. Um, but it's, there's an addictive quality to it, like informa- information wise. I know people that will go media dark and won't watch trailers and stuff, but I cannot do that. I am not that person. (laughs) Like I, I voraciously consume any kind of content that comes out about upcoming souls titles. And I know it's probably not for the best, but I really enjoyed that. Like I look back to the launch of demon soul or sorry, dark souls. And I GM did a live stream. I, I can't remember who exactly was running it, but they were playing dark souls from like Twelve hours before it came out, or something, and they started at like midnight and played through the night, and I stayed up and watched that, and like I, I it spoiled the entire game up to up to Ornstein and snow for me, like or Ornstein and Snow or Orn, sure, Ornstein, yeah. like who knows how you pronounce those two Um, like they they literally played through the entire game, and I just like sat there watching it and absolutely captivated, so. A lot of it was ruined for me, the initial experience. I knew which way to go at the onset and stuff, but I don't regret that. Like, I just absolutely loved that. That, like, edge of the moment, like being right in there, the first people playing this, seeing this thing fresh off the shelf before anybody else does. You know, it's like, I I really ate that up. I don't regret that experience because it hasn't ruined the game for me. I still love the game.
0: I had this conversation with my buddy um, who he goes by the lore hunter um, and he does a lot of YouTube lore stuff. Oh, yeah, the lore hunter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's my buddy Sean. And uh, because he did, he was doing like pre release Elden Ring consuming every single leak rumor he was doing daily elden ring videos until youtube was like you can't do these daily elden ring videos anymore it was really funny but um i I was really curious because i'm like man like you're you're you're, it seems like you're just ruining the game he's like no way man this is gonna be so exciting to to like get into the game proper and feel and find out where i was right and where i was wrong like this is all part of the hype cycle for me like i am i am into this
1: and it's just too different because i was on like for the trailers you know exactly yeah and i Little thing. It's still great popcorn. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, well, thank you, Judson. Thank you so much for guesting. Uh, I, I really, really appreciate you coming on. This has been a conversation that I've wanted to have for, sure. for a, a long, long time. Like I said, I'm a, a big fan of your work. So uh, I'm just so excited to have you, to have you here finally. Um, do you want to tell people where they can find your stuff? Do you want to plug anything?
1: Uh, yeah. So um, you can find me on Twitter at TEDx, T-E-T-T-I-X. Um, but I will about of stuff that's not souls that's how, uh, titles occasionally um, you can purchase the original poster the tall vertical in taste. solace on fangamer.com um, and the new one will be is now available for pre-order as part of a, a a three book well two books and a map trilogy called the abyssal archive and you can find that at abyssalarchive.com Um, It's up for pre-order right now. And eventually that will be available as a poster, but that's kind of slated for 2023, somewhere somewhere around there. So stay tuned on that.
0: And I'll have links to all of that in the show notes. So if you were listening to this podcast on your phone, which of course you are, like, what are you doing? If you're not, um, just open your phone, go click all the links, follow, buy, purchase, and all that stuff. Um, Yeah. And thank you again, Tex, very much for, for, for coming on. This has been great. Thank you. It's been a pleasure um as always i've been your host jeremy greer you can find this podcast at don't uh, along with all of the old art episodes in the archive uh, i'm still on a quasi hiatus so i'm not taking random people like i used to um so uh but uh, you know i'm just going to be releasing them kind of when i want to if i can find cool people to talk to uh thank you everybody who has continued to, to listen and hang out and talk and leave reviews and all stuff like that it's very much appreciated uh, hopefully we'll be back next week with more cool people to talk to. And until then, remember, don't give up, skeleton. Don't give up, skeleton. <laughs> and that's it. That's all we got. Cool. Uh, this was, that was uh, great, man. This was that's, fun. That this was really fun. fun. I, uh, man, I just I could talk about Dark Souls One for like another three hours. Like if you just really wanted to get into it. <laughs>